Faces Going Places is a 501c3 that strives to promote youth empowerment through community, unity, and educational programming initiatives. We believe in the pursuit of championing the cause of our future leaders. Faces Going Places is committed to dramatically reshaping the most economically depressed communities across the country. Listen in to the Faces Going Places podcast, where new episodes will be released every Saturday on all your podcast platforms. This podcast is also brought to you by the WGE Podcast Center, your host for all your podcasting needs. Available on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Hello, Baltimore. It's that time again. Listeners, get ready. This is Dr. Mel Butler. I'll be your host today with a whole bunch of co-hosts. And I think I might be the last one. But if you're listening to us, you're listening to Faces Going Places. I want to remind everybody that Faces Going Places is a 501c3. We are a nonprofit organization. So when you make those donations, know that they're not going to the dock, but they're going to the docks project. So get ready. It's going to be an exciting day. I want to get right to it because we got some big, we got our chief in here. We got a king and a queen and a, <laughs> a, a, a king and queen. And then Amen. we got a little warrior in here. Amen. Yeah. Sitting beside me, punching me in my side like he don't know anything. <laughs> and then, of course, we got hot sauce is here today. We've got a full house oh, today, yeah. so we're going to have some fun, folks. But realize and remember, this program is positive only. If you have negative thoughts, negative comments, hold them because we're going to cut you off when you call in. We're about moving forward. We hope that you are, too. We hope that we can pull together as one. If we pull together as one, we can make a change in this city. And we're dedicated to doing that. So we're going to jump right out the gate and talk to a guy that I envy. I have known him a long time. And believe it or not, I got him by a couple of years because he'd been out there forever. And I was out there just a little teeny bit before him. But he's a person I've known for a long time, worked with for a long time, and he's one of the true community activist people that try to do what he says. And when I was a little bitty boy, I know y'all don't think I was ever little because I'm roly-poly, but I was a little bitty boy one day, about eight or nine years old, and they were taking us to all these meetings, the whole family. I had 12 brothers and sisters, and we would go to this lady's house, and she would make us try to learn the books of the Bible. I had no idea why. I didn't know the lady. All I knew was I couldn't read, so I just went along for the ride. Anyway, that lady taught us and would give us rewards for everything. Whenever we hit met a goal and we had to set a goal, she'd give us a little reward. And later on, I found out that we were part of the pioneering of the seven-day Adventists nationally. Where she took us was where they started from. It's called the House of Berea. That's their kind of headquarters. And we learned those things, how to treat people right, how to do the right thing. And we didn't even know we were being trained to do that. She made it so much fun that we were eager to go and get those prizes. And she was teaching us at the same time. So I learned a lesson from that. Everything in my life I've learned, most of you know the story, I was homeless for about five years. I come out what they consider one of the worst areas in Baltimore City, Cherry Hill. I was frustrated. I was enrolling in college, and I had never in my life set foot on a college campus before that time. 
Didn't know how to make out a schedule. Didn't know how to do anything. So I just followed people. My point is that if I could do it, you can do it. And I'm dedicated now to trying to help those who seriously want to be helped. And the gentleman I'm going to introduce you to now, he knows that. He's been on that same track, same trail. So when you're out there, if you can't do something good, go back to sleep. Because remember, if you can't solve the problem, then you are part of the problem. So open up. We're going to have frank, open discussions and see if we can't make our contribution in a non-partial way to the city of Baltimore. I came back after 18 years because they ran me away like they do some of our young people by not extending a hand to help me. And I could not understand why. Stayed away all that time. And I told people over the last 15 years, I served notice on all the people who are playing the game on the community that we will expose you and we will have the people work to unseat all the rotten apples. I'm not saying there are any in our city hall because Baltimore is such a good, nice place. Right? I understand. <laughs> this gentleman, and, uh, folks, folks, you don't know. See, he's got a stick over there. And he's pointing that stick at me. So if you don't introduce me right, I will pop you on your ball head. <laughs> but no, none other than Leo Burroughs. This is a name that's known all over the city. I'm a part of his organization. I was a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout. And he's done something for years. So this uh, community stuff is not new to him. So listen carefully to what he says. I'd like for him to give the history of how he got involved in and why he got involved in the roots of scouting. And then tell me basically all some of the good things that your program has done. I know today you've got to get out of here early and we promise we'll have you back to discuss oh, some yes. other things. So none other than Mr. Leo Browns, let's give him a hand in the studio. Well, as I always say, praise God and Pass the ammunition for justice. I got it wrong. Decency and fair play. We ought to be about victory today and every day. All right. Given the fact that I've been blessed and anointed with a 57-year history of civil rights involvement and community organizing and scout mastering, I simply want to say that I'm blessed. I was ordained to have been and am the founder of Roots of Scouting Incorporated. We are a 501c3 mm. uh, federally tax-exempt organization. Had our beginnings in 1980 uh, as a consequence of membership in the Boy Scouts of America. I grew up, uh, I joined Boy Scouts in 1950 when I moved from the uh, public housing projects in Baltimore City, the McCullough Homes, to Cherry Hill. All right. And hey, I, got Cherry in, Hill. I got in Cub Pack. Uh, Cub Pack 542 in Cherry Hill and subsequently joined the Boy Scout Troop uh, 542 under the First Baptist Church at Cherry Hill and uh, had my first experience in 1952 at Broad Creek Memorial Scout Reservation in Harford County, Maryland. Uh, and it was wild country then. I mean, they, they opened that camp in 1947, 48. Mm -hmm. So I'm there five years later and my mother wrote up with me in a, in a vehicle. She said, you want to take my child into that black wilderness? Because <laughs> it was at night. We went to camp at night. And I was there. That was my first camping experience for one one week. And uh, it was a little 
I hadn't been in camping before. I hadn't been in the woods and so forth. And subsequently, as I went to camp year after year for the last couple of years, I grew to love the outdoors and the understanding that God has a purpose with regard to nature and land and animals and trees Absolutely. and the earth, mm -hmm. and that we can be at one with, with the earth. Uh, however, as, as a boy, I learned a lot in scouting, cub scouting, boy scouting, but I learned as a fledgling civil rights leader in 1960, uh, when I graduated from Frederick Douglass High School to go to Morgan College then, Morgan State College. He went from a duck to a being a bear. You got that but right. He missed the bear to be the duck to go to the bear. Went to Morgan State College and subsequently learned that there was a lot of racism being practiced by the Boy Scouts of America. And there's still a problem. But given my civil rights involvement, I said, I'm going to use my civil rights strategies and tactics and civil disobedience, whatever, to reform scouting as well as fight for justice for African people in America. Uh, and so in 1980, after having identified the fact that the professionals in the Boy Scouts who are paid salaries were not allocating monies in the Baltimore Area Council to blacks scouts mm -hmm. and not having black people on their professional payroll with the exception of one, I said, we got to do something about that. So we started what was called Roots of Scouting mm -hmm. to focus on our African heritage mm -hmm. and culture as relates to scouting. And then, of course, as we identified the fact, and keep in mind, my scout leaders were retired uh, Marines mm -hmm. and Army vets mm -hmm. from World War II. Because, again, I came into scouting in 1950. Mm -hmm. World War II ended in 1945. So, right. so, so we were a disciplined scout program because they had us saluting. <laughs> so if you say you've been in the military, and my scout troop was military. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, but but I, I will say to you, I learned much. I've been able to share much. There's a lot of skills that one can learn, everything from map and compass reading to how to take care of yourself. We talk about survival skills. First aid and CPR and and how to chop. Why do I need to know how to chop wood? Well, there may come a time right. when you're going to have to know how to chop right. some wood right. and mm -hmm. saw some wood because you might have to eat over an open fire in the city, let alone the country. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Because all of this technology that we we seem to think we can't uh, do without <laughs> can come to naught if it is destroyed or something happens. Of a negative nature. So even though we were on the forefront of most of the technology that they got started, that's right. They took it away from us. And mentioning the scouts, most people don't know that actually the word scouting and the scouting really came from a military operation during the war when they needed to get information. Though there was such a shortage of the men that this guy the white guy in Europe, he took the kids and used the kids as messengers and getting things through. And so they, later on, that's how it really came about, the name yeah, of scouting. Yeah. Am, am I right? The, yeah. The Boy Scouts gave credit to, as an international movement, to a guy named Lord Baden-Powell, Robert right. Baden-Powell. Yep. And uh, he was a colonel in the British Army. Uh -huh. And the, the British, the English people, started scouting around 1900, 1880s. Yeah. But they modeled their scout program. When scouting was first founded, 
which has now become an international worldwide movement in more than 85 countries, came out of Africa in that the Ashanti that's right. and Zulu that's people of Africa right. Right in were the uh, heroes of white folks who grudgingly acknowledge that now, and Lord Baden-Powell acknowledged that in his autobiography, right. that he watched the Zulu warriors and others whom he greatly admired to even defeat the British army. Yeah. And of course, as white folks acquired weaponry and ammunition and things that we did not have, mm -hmm. they were able to subdue the people who they were conquering or ripping off. Right. As but we they, but say. they got a good looking exactly. The Zulus got a good looking Abbey for the Zulu kicked bad, butt. Bad, so they and, and believe it or not, folks, that land where Shaka Zulu was, it still exists. And Durban is the only place in Africa that the white people have to speak Zulu. Oh, yeah. I thought that was the most fascinating thing I yeah. saw in yeah. my life. And, yep. And so when you look at where we are today, we said that with Roots of Scouting starting as a, a camping program and subsequently expanding, today we're going to celebrate this day, the, the 23rd of February, 2020, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. All right, congratulations, congratulations. This congratulations. afternoon. All right. And, That's awesome. and, and we're doing that because we now encompass, we have a STEM program with electronic cars. Uh, we have a board of directors, uh, including Michael Douglas, athletic development oh, yeah. uh, chairperson who's a professional fencer. You mm -hmm. know what fencing all, is? Fencing, all over the world. Fencing had its all beginnings in Africa. Yep. yep. Even back mm -hmm. in the time of the pyramids. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have uh, our chaplain is Michael Jensen Sr., who happens to be running for mayor at this time in the city, but he's a retired firefighter mm -hmm. and member of the Vulcan Blazers. Mm -hmm. And then we've got community policing, Richard Carey, Daryl Mason. We've got Black Historic Tours. These are committees. Black Historic Tours Committee, Selena Gladden, school teacher, extraordinary leader, Emergency Preparedness Committee, headed up by Gregory Lawrence, who happens to be the deputy chief of the fire department at BWI Thurgood Marshall Airport. Okay. We've got uh, coordinating of Pan-African Studies, Brother Atiba Nkrumah, advised by Kareem Aziz. Our Education and Scholarship Committee, got old scholarship. All of these monies we raised, we raised with the sale of tickets. 40 years. We never had any funding from any city, state, or federal or private organization. Everything we did was comes from our own true grit. And so with education and scholarship, Doran Talley, Armed Forces, Jackie Poe Joyce. Jackie Joyce retired after 25 years, cousin of mine, from the military. And she's heading up our Armed Forces Committee. Uh, the Rites of Passage Committee, E. Shakara Hannibal L. What would we do without him? He's one of our honorees today, as well as Doran Talley. Then we've got Economic Development, Camilla Kashith, who is also our second vice president, first vice president, Maylon Butler. And Brother Bruce Olamina Stevenson is our Kwanzaa chief, Kwanzaa person. And he was in my scout troop when he was a little boy in the 1980s. <laughs> and look at this little boy now who's a parent who, who has written a book called The Spirit of Fatherhood. And uh, it, it makes you feel good. You don't need any money That's right. to be rewarded and paid for your commitment to serve our people. Mm, absolutely. And I, I, I'm so overjoyed 
by, by the reality. And Shaquan Rivers just coming in the troop, just coming in, roots of scouting. Shaquan is 25 years old. He's coming in as chairman of our camping committee. Okay. And Claude Artis, who's been with us, he's being honored today. Claude Artis has been with us 29 years, 30 years. I'm the only person been there 40 years. Claude Artis is one of our originals. Mm -hmm. He's there 30 years. He's being honored today. And Nona Diggs, our finance officer, who assists Claude Artis, he's our historian and he's our treasurer. So you got the whole bill here on how broadly based mm -hmm. we are. We're doing STEM, we're doing economic development, we're camping. We see ourselves as a miniature nation. Yet they, yet they claim they're looking for solutions. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like you we, just read a whole bunch of solutions. We to got me. solutions. So, so I wonder how hard they're looking. We just got to keep the faith. We yeah. got to keep our hand in God's hand. Amen. And Kwanzaa is the essence of what we believe. We believe that the seven principles of Kwanzaa, the first fruits of the African harvest, bind our people if we will ascribe to it. Mm -hmm. And we got, and the, those seven principles are goals mm -hmm. that we should try to achieve 365 days a year. So when people say, well, we got Black History Month in February, we don't need it. Well, that's part of the history. Our history is 365 days every year. Every but year. I'm not going to take away Black History Month right. just because right. that's part of it. started out as Black History Week. But did, did you know right. that out of all the months they set aside for different holidays, they have uh, imparted other events that could be anywhere in the year, but right. they put them all in the month of February. So Black History Month only really gets talked about about one week. Well, they've had national, they've had national everything yeah. else that yeah. they put in the month of February, and people never even take notice. Well, to that. it's up, it's incumbent upon us who know the truth to change that paradigm, and that is to say that every month of and every day and every year is our day. That's right. Civilization had its beginnings in Africa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we are the original man and woman of the earth. Right. And as a consequence, we should be on the firing line every day, understanding on whose shoulders we stand That's right. and whose allegiance we owe. Right. I think no, that's well, so vital. Well, it, it is, Leo. And I think that a lot of the things that you're talking about is sort of like uh, being in church. And a, a person says the pastor did a fiery sermon. It was so good. <laughs> I mean, oh, he was on today. Mm -hmm. He just had everybody. And I asked him, I said, yeah, what did he talk about? What was his thing? I don't quite remember. But you were that excited, huh? But you can't even remember what the theme was. And we meet on the third Monday of every month at the Church of St. Cecilia at 3301 Windsor Avenue at Hilton Street, up by Walbrook Junction. Come in, park, come in. Our membership is $50 a year, membership fee. However, if you don't want to join and just partner with us, we still want you. Right. We're not mm -hmm. going to hold you hostage mm -hmm. because that you don't have again. any money and you don't want to become a, a right. formal member or Give voting the address member. again, please, Leo. The address 3301 right Windsor Avenue at Hilton Street is where we are. and We meet at the Church of St. Cecilia in the hall. You come around, park in the back of the church or walk in the back and come through the middle doors the third Monday of every month if you want to join or, more important, work with one of the committees. I've just named to you 
the different things right. we're doing that's that see what it means to be involved that's right. you know we i know you you're on involved. a tight schedule leo and i know that we have another guest i want to just take a few minutes if i can yeah because i've got to let her just uh, say a few words, uh, you know, hey, for her to come down to our studio and we don't show the Southern hospitality to her. Yeah. And so why don't you introduce her? She is really your guest and you know her. I saw her pop you on the head. <laughs> you did. Mm-hmm. So why don't, why don't you just introduce her? All right. Well, we'll be leaving here in 10 minutes. Sister so Sylvia Harris. Oh. Sylvia Harris <laughs> hey. is uh, the mother of Kenneth Harris, who was a former city councilman. Unfortunately, he was murdered in this city because of his courageousness in standing up for the rights of African people. And so we got 10 minutes, Sylvia, before we got a hat up out of here. Talk to him. Oh, well, I'm just here supporting. We welcome you. Yeah, I'm here to support Roots of Scouting and to offer any uh, energies that I can to promote the kids, the organization, and especially Leo Burrow. Leo is a I, I, I can't even find a word for him. He's been out here for 40, 50, 60, 70 years fighting for downtrodden and poor people. So Leo, is he's dedicated. He, he, he's the, the roots of scouts, and I'm here with him, supporting him, and asking everybody to support Roots of Scouting. Yeah, and, and I might add, we have a website, rootsofscoutinginc.org. Mm-hmm. Say roots. it again. They may not have the pen. you got to say roots. it a little slow. Of Scouting Inc. One word. Mm-hmm. Roots of Scouting Inc. Inc. Dot org, our website. And if you need to talk to me, I don't mind giving my cell phone number out. Because uh, a lot of folks won't call. They say they call, they won't because they think I'm going to recruit them. And I will <laughs> if you call. My number is 443 651 2578. 651. Two five seven eight. Well, we I want wanna... everybody involved. We need everybody's mind because if those of us who think we know everything will listen closely, we will learn from people who are younger and older than we. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes that's a, a problem. Well, for folks yeah, who've see, got all the knowledge yep. and don't listen to younger people yep. or yes. older people. Mm-hmm. Well, but see, that's where the leaders come in. When I, I was run out of the city when I was a young man, had I stayed, I probably would have had a nervous breakdown because, <laughs> because I really, really, I couldn't understand why we were putting together so many programs that were useful to the city, mm-hmm. such as AFRAM. We were the ones that mm-hmm. started. I was a consultant mm-hmm. paid by the city to help. I trained all the model cities, mm-hmm. the six councils, a firm called MBA, Mel Butler Associates. Yeah. We trained all six councils. We trained teen centers. We trained cultural arts. Amen. Now, if anybody knows that structure, that covered Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, let me ahead. salute Sister Harris. Uh, and I, as I say, we have to leave now. But Sister Harris is also serving. I wear five hats in the community. I'm in five different organizations. Okay. She's serving as treasurer of Citizens for Leo W. Burroughs. I'm running for president of the city council of Baltimore City, and she's serving as my treasurer. So I want to thank you, Sylvia, and all those people who care. Uh, I don't know all the answers. I have a, a vision, and my vision is that this city needs to change, and we don't need to recycle the same people over and over again to be candidates 40 and 50 years and die in office. We need to yeah. mentor younger people yes. well, that is so, so that they can take over. Yes. God bless well, all you. Well, you know what? We, yes. we, we really yeah. appreciate that, and that is something that the people now are probably going to hold people accountable for, yes. and that is I, I never understood 
why so many politicians live in this city and can only come out about two months before an election. Because they're selfish. How, how, how <laughs> can people... How can people, and remember, folks, this platform, we're a nonprofit organization. So any politician out there, you have an opportunity to come in and present your program and present your plan, as Mr. Burroughs did. I'm going to keep that door open. Amen. But I do know this. Coming through Cherry Hill, out of Cherry Hill, as Leo said, I was even at Morgan when he was at Morgan. Mm-hmm. Only difference was he could get out a little easier than me. It took me about 10 years to get the first BS. It really did. But... It was because people didn't take the time to see what the students need. Yes. Yes. And because I'd never been on a college campus before, and I told people that, some of the uh, people who should have known, all they should, could have done was extend their hand and say, okay, this is this and this is this. And that's why you should do it. So people say, well, why don't you run? You know so much about the city. Yes, I do, but that's the reason I don't run. My dad taught me when I was very, very small, some politicians are okay. But he said, son, a businessman can tell a politician what to do. A politician can only tell somebody else what they hope to do. Amen. Mm-hmm. How about so, being a public servant? And, and that's, Be a public servant. Well, and you got to, they got to put the money where the mouth is. Mm-hmm. We do things that open lanes for people. Everything that we do, we have a couple of our speakers that will be covered on later. Mm-hmm. We don't put them in and then forget about them. They become a part of our family. And they have things to say to us, like you said, if we listen. Mm -hmm. So after I got put out of Baltimore, so to speak, because I was so frustrated, many people stay in the city and be frustrated. But when I went out, it was a blessing because I got a chance to go all around the world and learn what it was all about. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the game, Leo. Mm -hmm. We made a, a, a CD for the Boy Scouts. It's called Put Me in the Game. Mm. I have to let you hear it. Yeah, so, so we will bring folks back. And I'm, I'm out here now. To thank you guys for coming. And, and we'll be forming some community people. Community yeah. people. This coming Saturday, uh, the lieutenant governor is coming down to uh, Upton Market. Oh, is he? Yes, they have a, they have a, a plan down there. It's, it's called the um, Main Street, Main Street Preservation. Lieutenant Governor. Lieutenant Governor will be there. With, he, he's well spoken. I'll say that for him. That's all I know. That's I don't know. He's articulate, but I don't know, you know what he's doing. All right, well, folks. Thank Leo for coming in. I guess we're going to take a little right. short break, and we'll be right back with you. Let's thank Miss Harris, and of course, our prayers go with you, and uh, we will be there, strong standing. And thank you guys for taking the and time. The government controls and, everything we do, so we got to right. control. The we'll government. see you in a few minutes. Be right back. Yep. Faces going places is a 501c3 that strives to promote youth empowerment through community, unity, and educational programming initiatives. We believe in the pursuit of championing the cause of our future leaders. Faces Going Places is committed to dramatically reshaping the most economically depressed communities across the country. Listen in to the Faces Going Places podcast where new episodes will be released every Saturday on all your podcast platforms. This podcast is also brought to you by the WGE Podcast Center, your host for all your podcasting needs. Available on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. 
Hi, folks. We're back. I hope you had a good break and ready for some more. This has been an exciting day. I tell you, you haven't heard anything yet. We're going to continue on. You heard about Leo Barrels, and we have other people in the studio just waiting to share some good information with you. Again, remember, you're listening to Faces Going Places. We are a 501c3, so donations are appreciated. You can give us a call if you have a story to tell. Give us a call if you're working with the community. Give us a call if you're a nonprofit trying to find out ways to raise money. And give us a call if you just want to volunteer your services and help the young people out here in the city. We have a young lady who is definitely going to be a legacy in the city of Baltimore. She's been around us for a few weeks now, and uh, she is committed. She keeps her word. She's turned us on to some very, very good people to help our program become better. And more importantly, she has brought some of the young people into the picture that are willing to have their voices heard, have their ideas looked looked at. We got to help them. We got to work with them. So we can't. Blame them for things that we never showed them. So there is going to be a shift in things that are happening in our culture, and they need to be right at the foundation of it. We need to learn some things different. We have financial literacy going on in a whole bunch of uh, schools and uh, programs and buildings. But this lady is at the forefront of teaching people how they can really, really prepare for the future. Teaching businesses how they can do some of the things that the giants are doing. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our queen. She wore her crown today, folks. So, <laughs> let's turn it over to Karen. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Dr. Butler, and thank you for that amazing declaration you yeah. spoke over my yeah. life. Yeah. Um, um, yes, you are absolutely right. My goal is to build a legacy here in Baltimore and a part of my legacy is definitely to impart into the young people and breed leaders. I believe that God has called me to breed leaders. And part of breeding leaders is to teach financial empowerment coupled with spiritual guidance. Awareness. Yes, spiritual guidance and grounding to be grounded spiritually. Absolutely. Well, you know, and... Uh, we want to talk a little bit about our newest member, so we're going to have him in here every week because I think he'll make a good contribution to what we're doing and have some input. That way, it won't be any surprises later on, and he can tell the, the young people in the community. Because I know if I was a young person and didn't really sit in on what was happening at the beginning, then later on, I can't complain. Right. Because those solutions, if we have some input from the young people— then we can expect them to be accountable because they don't know. I agree. All right? And so the young man that we have with us now, I don't know why I like him. I'm going to go figure that out. <laughs> but uh, he was on my mind all week because he made sense when he was talking. And um, he shot me down, though, because I thought he had sent me a message. I was all all happy and excited and everything. I come in here today, and he had, I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I don't know. I got to find out. But why don't you introduce him? Get, that pleasure, okay? Absolutely. So aside from being an entrepreneur, I'm also the coordinator of the OASIS program, um, which is a program in Martin Luther King Elementary Middle School. And Jaheem used to be one of my students. He actually graduated last year, but mm -hmm. he still comes back to help me out, to help out the OASIS program. Great, great, great. Um, he, he, he's, he's a young general, and I love him because he has 
an amazing gift of wisdom. Um, and I actually spoke to his mother, and his mother is in agreement. She said, "Yes." She said, "He's an old man. He has an he has an <laughs> old man body. and a young body." Yes. <laughs> and um, I just look forward to the things that God is going to do in his life. Um, I know that he is truly operating in purpose. And what I love about him is uh, the most is he's he's not showy. Anyone that knows me knows I love um, humility. I, I always say uh, humility is one of the first things I look at in a person. And, and he, he just walks in a beautiful humility, which I know the, the humility he walks in can only come from God. So, Jaheem, I'm going to pass the mic over mm-hmm. to you, and you already know what to do. Well, What's up, Jaheem? What's up? Hey. My main man. Folks, I want you to know that he can go home and he can write it down. You're the youngest person in history that somebody has put on a panel to hey. get your wisdom. So I want you to remember that. Okay. Wow. And write these things down because we're expecting, yep, we're expecting great things from you. And see, just like some of us that were young and had problems, you know, people relating to us, you'll get a chance to see what we went through because we were your age going through the same thing that you're going through. And so when you can connect with those older people, and I like the fact that you are putting yourself in a position because sometimes it's hard, but you'll never be able to tell people that you didn't have a chance because that's all I wanted was a chance. So I feel you and you don't have to be humble all the time. You've been around long enough to know that I don't care. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to you know say what I want to say. But be fun. Have some fun at it. Absolutely. Be happy. Laugh. Very smile. true. Yep. All right, Jaheem, go ahead. Well, I always like to be humble because, like, it's like you could, the the faster you could get, is the faster you can lose it. Mm. And it was Come like, on, I tried it a lot. Like, I tried to not be humble. And every time I wasn't humble, I lost it. All right. So All it was right. like, for example, like, it was a time where I wanted to ride the bike. I wanted to ride the bike. And. I was bragging about it all day, just bragging about it all day. <laughs> so I came home, was ready to ride. Like like five pedals after. My <laughs> chain popped off. <laughs> everything broke. And it was like every time I was quiet about it, things went well. Like yes. I see stuff better and it's like you don't always have to put yourself out of position that you're not comfortable. Like I see a lot of boys running around trying to be somebody they're not like. That's true. You just got to find your cha- spot. When your chain popped, Jaheem, did you get your pants caught? Because I told you, we, <laughs> when I used to ride, and I rode all the time, too, probably not like you, but I know one thing. When that chain popped, that tooth, tooth thing, if your pants, you got long <laughs> pants on, so after a while, you better learn what? To roll it up. <laughs> Am I right? I've been there, young man. I told you. we, we know. But it was like, I knew, I knew I had a feeling for the bikes, well, because like, my brothers was always in the basketball, football, mm. stuff like that. Never impressed me, but like when I every time I seen a date bike ride past, I was like, get excited. I get excited. <laughs> That's what I, I just found my place and where I needed to be. Cause it was like when that chain popped, my my heart <laughs> dropped. Like I lost a feeling. It was like, dang, I can't ride. I can't can't do nothing. It's like somebody put a block up there and says stop. You don't go anywhere when that chain pops. But I know I know that feeling. So how when did you get your first bike to actually start kind of riding? My first like bike, it was like it was like a Christmas. Mm. It was a Christmas and 
I used to always walk in the aisle and always sing, I always seen the bike. My grandma was like, you're not getting no $200 bike, $100 bike. I'm not ready to pay for no bike so you can just break it. So it was one Christmas. I used to, I, every, time went, every time we went to Walmart talk, I always go on the bike aisle, just look at bikes. <laughs> so it was one time Christmas came around. Everybody was just looking at me like, like I could feel like this type of energy, like something. I'm getting something big. <laughs> so... She walked that out and it was a bite. It was oh, a bomb. Okay. Like, was it like Christmas? Like, yeah, it was Christmas. Okay. And I, said, I seen it. I didn't even want to open no more guests. I just went out the road. <laughs> um, but I had that. My grandma told me, you got more guests, just um, open all your guests first and then, then um, ride your bike. So it was next day, next morning. <laughs> we all had got bikes. My grandma oh, okay. bought bikes for everybody. How many but brothers and sisters do you have? I got all, all brothers. How many? Five brothers. Five? Including me. And where are you? In middle? I'm top? the, what do you call it? Knee baby. Okay. Okay. Knee baby. Well, that's good. <laughs> and so what about, well, you know, when you get a bike, naturally you want to go out and just ride it. Yeah, but. What, what made you, you know, want to just do something different? It was like, I seen that, like, every time we would go out in public and I'm with my brothers, everybody was, like, other people would ask, like, because we were so, like, we looked and fitted and stuff like that. Everybody would just ask, like, you play sports? And all my brothers, and they just, yeah, I play basketball. Yeah, I play football, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, me, I ain't had no answer. So I, <laughs> you know I, mean? I just say, I ride bike. But it was like, that could be a sport. Yeah. You know what I mean? They exercise. I mean, I don't look at it as exercise. The whole time it is exercise, but I don't look at it as exercise. Well, you know, in, in the field of bicycle riding now, there's a lot of money. And they have it, uh, people sponsoring the the ex, uh, extreme bike riders where they go up and they do mm-hmm. the things and then oh, they yeah. always announce something right that that was never done before because most of those guys, they're always thinking of new things to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because I watch a lot of that, that that kind of stuff, particularly bicycle riding, and when they build the, the bike and the, and the skateboard kind of things that we never had in the day, so we go in the woods and see a tree that fell down and so that was what we would try to jump over. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was, but we were happy. Or, or a bicycle tire. And we'd take the old bicycle tires, go to the dump, and kind of, you know, make our own station so we could go in and out. But now you can tell that uh, guys have to think on the bikes because something that's never been done, they start to practice. And I remember something I saw it was a triple something that they do. They go over something, go in the air, and they try to go three three complete revolutions to come down. Mm. Well, they had different ones. When I first started watching it, people doing one and two. Nobody was trying to do a three. Then after a while, I watched it, and one day I saw somebody, I don't know if they call it a triple lux, or they have all those names. Next thing I know, everybody's out there trying to do this one thing, like the triple. (laughs) And then that person becomes a hero, whatever it is that he does that nobody else had done before. So actually... It's a really, really thoughtful thing. People think, ah, it's just a bike. It's a lot more than just a bike. So have you been in any competitions or do you have ideas? What Competitions? Well, I never really had a competition. I just always <laughs> used to, if it was a competition, I just had fun with it. I don't right. look at it as like, I'm trying to be better than you. I'm just look at it no, as no, we both I mean, doing the same thing. No, no, but I mean where people get the name, just <laughs> kind of like wrestling, you know? You got people that are out there that just want their name to be out there and to know that they made a contribution to the sport. See, you're a pioneer. Mm -hmm. You're a pioneer. And the reason we don't, when I say competition, I mean other people, just like football or basketball, you you 
you make people be creative. Once they get in a competition, it's not personal. It's about thinking. Who is the best on the east side? Who is the best on the west side? Then once they find that out, they're going to take the east side against the west side. See, that's how it develops. Mm. But people like you end up becoming consultants or you become the expert. So people come to you and say, how did you do that? Or would you teach some other people how to do that? Sometimes God puts us in a, a leadership role and we don't really know what it is at the time. I know I didn't. And then as you go on, you know, and you get a little wiser, then you start to say, oh, that's why <laughs> that roly-poly Dr. Butler stayed in my case. Amen. I couldn't stand him when I looked at him. That's why I have these freckles. So it will confuse you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't focus on anyone because of you something there and something there. <laughs> but you still have to remain human. Humble. Humble is great. But at the same time, let people know, I got a brain, and this is how I choose to use my brain. I'm, I'm doing this bike. But here's what I'm doing on this bike because you're exercising. You're showing people that they don't have to be in the street. They can do something that's fulfilling. And then people get attracted to you because uh, of what you're doing. And, and I can see that because, like, every time I want to bike, I got a few friends that's in the street, but, like, they always tax me or, like, you ride, and I'm trying to ride, I'm trying to ride the mm. bike with you. Mm-hmm. And they're like that. And they really, they got skills on a bike. I mean, mm-hmm. like, but as I think deeper, like, maybe maybe don't really look at it as just a bike. And I just leave it at that. They right. look at it as something fun to do on the side. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of looking at it as tr- uh, a transportative mo- mode for getting drugs from one place to the other so that the cops will be paying attention to, say, that bike rider. So your position as a leader, it's some responsibility there. Because people will look at you when you're in commercials and you're on, say, flyers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's not what you go after on your own, but it's what's necessary to make you a true leader. And the little people, younger people that are coming on you and even some older people, they need that. See, if somebody had given you that today, you would probably be sitting here and I'd be sitting over there. If they had reached out when you first started riding that bike. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And you're going to meet a lot of people. Like, I, we want to thank uh, Karen because to put the time in and to be serious about putting the time in because they're concerned about where you will go. How far can I take him? And that's a, a good thing. And I guess we have you boxed in because we got our national trainer that's just looking you up and down for the kind of exercises he can give you to get in shape. You know, when you're a boxer, Jaheem, you ever see the boxer when they get ready to go in the ring mm. and they got a whole hundred people all around them? Oh, yeah. A person to do that. Somebody do your nails. Somebody do your hair. Somebody do your nose. Somebody do your foot. Somebody, <laughs> all those people. So <laughs> just get used to that because everybody, as they excel to the next level, there are going to be people that will be around them to protect them, really. And you got that person. So your exercises and your, your things that you do, our national trainer who is in here, he looks like a military guy today. He, he is looking <laughs> to me like a drill sergeant. <laughs> but do you have anything that you want to ask or say? Because we're going to let Reggie Hot Sauce, <laughs> president and owner and founder of Sweat and Go, I listened to the last part. I couldn't quite get that first part. The sweat part, 
had me thinking, he is going to kill me. <laughs> I don't like the sweat part. But the go part, okay. So he is the boss in the training field, and I'm going to let you two guys maybe talk about some things that he would recommend and give us all some advice on. Folks, give a hand for Reggie Thornton, better known as Hot Sauce, also the king of kings, the mentor of mentors, the poop for poopa. Let's talk. <laughs> sweat and go. Thank you, Doc. Thanks, everybody. Um, um, I just listen and glean. It's just like you said about sweat and go. Ironically, you mentioned the name sweat and go. A sweat obviously comes from exercise, but to go means to go forth. And what it means is um, my my mission, my God-given mission on this earth, the only reason why he has me six feet above ground mm-hmm. right now is to help a person to be able to physically be all that he created him to be and to physically do everything he's created him to do. So what happens is in our sessions, I empower you or strengthen you physically so that you can go fulfill your mission. So everything that I do is with your mission in mind. Mm. So when I look at you on the bike, yeah, Doc is exactly right because that's just something that's in me. Just like you love to ride bikes, that's just something that's in me. I look at a person physically. I look at what they do, their occupations, even 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 caring from what you do from a financial standpoint. The first thing that goes to my mind is what type of workout do they need to be better at what they do? In sports, they call it sports-specific training. And with sports-specific training, you actually condition a program for a person's sport. You even get as meticulous as giving them the right exercise based on the position that they play. In football, for example, linemen, running backs, and wide receivers do not work out the same way. If one works out like the other, it will, it will um, hinder you in your position. I like to say it like this. If you don't condition properly to your position, it's the quickest way to stay on the bench. Wow. Because you will not be able to play your position proficiently. Mm. So when I look at what you do on the bike, I even went and looked at some Instagram videos. I checked them out and watched all the things that you do. There are things and exercises that have floated through my mind of what I need to do to not only keep you doing that at the great skill level, y'all need to check out his Instagram page, this great skill level that he does, but what can I do to give you skill, give you the fitness to be able to take it to another notch? Take it to another notch. All right, where you're doing the second half, where something else will pop up. What type of flexibility are you going to need? What type of endurance you're going to need? What type of strength are you going to need in your arms and your rotator cuff? What type of strength are you going to need in your lower back? What you're going to need in your hamstrings and all in your legs because you pedal in that bike so that you can be just as strong on block 10 as you were on block one. So, and, and if fitness, if and, and see, the thing about it is you should be able to draw a line between what you do in the gym and not just you, anybody. If you cannot draw a line of what you do in the gym or in your workout and connect it to anything you do in life, you are wasting your time. Mm. Mm. And what you're also doing is you're handicapping your body because eventually what you think is going to help you is going to hurt you. So... 
That's the way to know when somebody else, if you got a trainer or somebody helping you out with a fitness program, they should be giving you a program where you should connect it to what you do in life. If anything they're giving you is not connecting to what you do in your life, you need to run from that trainer as fast as you can because they're not helping you. So what doesn't help you hurts you. All right. What doesn't, you know, what doesn't advance you hinders you. So in this his, in this um, month of black history and in this month of trying to learn our roots to move forward with a fitness program, especially now going into March, because everybody had those resolutions in January. Mm-hmm. And right about now, you're starting to fizzle out, starting to burn out, starting to feel like I'm tired of this gym. Looking at yourself, I don't have the results. I'm tired of eating all these vegetables and no <laughs> meat and the onion diet and, and the keto diets and all that. And please, I'm not speaking anything against that, talking against them negatively. But this is the time to evaluate what you're doing, because. Every three months, you need to be changing your plan up. So you need to be now evaluating what changes do I need to make to take me to the next level. Or it's okay if you realize what I was doing has not been helping me. What I was doing does not give me the results. Make the change now. Because if you don't come April, you're not going to be doing nothing. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. And come June... All of the results that you may or may not have gained are going to come back and triple, come back new, come back strong. And that's going to lead to a continuous mindset of lack of motivation and put you back in square one. Well, so that's my that's two your cents. I am not in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but everybody, every great person, I, I thank Reggie for that because one, he knows his craft, mm-hmm. and what you're gaining that most people, even adults, don't get. They don't get a team of people that are behind them that they don't have to pay all their money to. Now, when you start making money and speaking, you want to remember those people. It's okay to pay them back. In fact, I look for people mm-hmm. to pay something back. When somebody gets them up there, because that is the ultimate of selfishness when you let people give you all their skills and all their knowledge to lift you and then not look back at those persons and thank them for what they did, the sacrifices they made, the time they put into believing in you. And say we need a young leader, a young general to tell people, hey, it's okay. I'm not going to criticize the people that are helping me advance. See, there are some people that will take your help, but they don't thank you. Mm-hmm. You know that? When they read the Bible and all the people Jesus helped, a whole bunch of them, right? Yep. But how many can you see that thanked him for what he did One for them? Back. The yeah. miracles and all mm-hmm. the things that he did. Accepting those people that society was putting down. See, some cities have a problem where the leaders, the leaders, push people down instead of lifting people up. And they may come to you and say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But if they haven't stuck with you in the hard times, don't put too much trust in them. If they haven't been with you, like probably you guys have had some difficult times, you had to. Mm-hmm. You had to. Because that's the way life is on mm-hmm. a potential leader, a person that wants to get back to the community. Mm-hmm. So you got to be strong enough to say, wait a minute, you weren't with me when I started. So I'm not going to get rid of those people that were with me when I started to get you in the picture. And our young people, 
are in a great position now. A lot of people think it's bad. I think it's just the opposite. Mm-hmm. I think you're in a position where you can say, okay, I like what he's doing, or I like what she's doing, or I like that. You can have those choices and become a leader and help somebody else up. That's what the Africans do. Reach one, teach one. That's out of Africa. And our young black men, we have to help you get to where you are. You already got the leadership. But we have to help you see, well, how can I use this? You know, what, what can I do? And how can I help somebody else? Because right now, the whole country are looking at the youth. Most of them have no idea how to reach them. And I tell people, most young people I know, they're just like me. You reach them by going up and say, hey, I can help you. Or let mm-hmm. them see that you helped them. That's even better. That you didn't tell anybody, can I have a chance to do this? And the person is putting you there anyway. See, that's the person that you can communicate with. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah. Oh, because I was going to say, the audience can't not, they can't not <laughs> hear you know, All the people who listen to the radio, okay. But we got work to do, <laughs> Jaheed. But we're going to have you out there as a leader and going to you know, want you to come every Sunday that you can come and be a part of this discussion. And we get ready to introduce you to something, believe it or not, that's bigger than this. Amen. Bigger than, much mm. bigger. Mm-hmm. Much bigger. Mm-hmm. I told you, I was raised in Philly, and we always tell people, don't snow me, show me. And if we're supposed to be as good as we say we are, then you'll be able to see it. And if somebody says, hey, you follow those old people, you'll say, yeah, but you don't know what I know. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? And because mm-hmm. you could say, I can pick up the phone and call the person who knew Nelson Mandela. Mm. That's powerful. Do you know that? Very they, powerful. I say, well, I tell you what. <laughs> no, you you tell me I shouldn't do this. You go to go Google this name of my mentor. Go to the casino. They're going to believe what's on that telephone. They're going to believe that. That or a white person. But you'll be able to say, hey, go and Google this and see what you get. Then come back and talk to me. Mm-hmm. But very I want to commend you. So, Reggie, let's talk a little bit about you are off and running in the community. You got everybody out there uh, dancing and doing <laughs> things. And uh, we got a new newspaper that we want to every, introduce yeah. to everybody. And somebody came in this morning and already they stole my newspaper. <laughs> it is not here anymore. I think it was <laughs> I, it, it was. It was one of our guests. You sure did. And took the paper, folks. But just so you'll know, because we're going to talk about this on every broadcast, there is a national unity, black unity newspaper. It's called the National Black Unity Newspaper. And you want to get a copy of that. You want to get a subscription to that. And I'm hoping everybody that has a program, that the leaders will get it and then have the students get it and read about the good news because being headquartered out of Baltimore there'll be sometimes a person is going to be in that magazine. So if you're not reading it and don't have a subscription to it, then you won't be a part of it. So we're going to be, uh, yeah. I think the company is going to be doing some special promotions, but wherever you see the Black, National Black Unity newspaper, get a copy. It's going to come out quarterly. 
And if you're doing something good in Baltimore, your organization is doing something good in Baltimore. Don't be surprised if somebody doesn't come to you and say, do you have a subscription? And if you say yes, then that person might mark you and say, can you give us an article? Mm -hmm. Can you put something in about your organization or the people that you're working with? So it's going to be different from most papers because most papers, you don't get a chance to do that. All the information goes to some editor or somebody that only picks certain types of stories to put in. But the paper, the newspaper is designed for the community and people will have jobs. Like somebody is going to be over the young, the youth division. Wow. I'm not calling anybody's name, Jaheen, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I mm-hmm. <laughs> we cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so th- yeah. these are things that really, there are opportunities and there are mm-hmm. ladd- uh, ladders of success. And the leaders in Baltimore, D.C., Miami, L.A., I think they're going to find out this year that we have a lot of people within our community that have fantastic ideas. Mm-hmm. We just have to give them a chance and work with them. And that's what we're going to do. So we hope one day that you can have enough people that you can be your own, doing your own podcast. Amen. Yeah. Could you handle that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well that's, that's, that's what we're yeah. going to be working on. That's one yeah. of our goals. Now, what I see, if I was you, I would ask me, well, how long would it take to do that? Doc? <laughs> It's okay. You can ask me. <laughs> no. how, how about before, by the time, you're still in school now, right? Yeah. Where? where? Uh, Costa Fels. Okay. How about if you had your own show by the time school was out, which is June wow. the 15th? How you like me now? <laughs> mm. I don't know. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. You, you don't think that would be a good spot to be in? It is a good spot. Okay. So that's what we're doing. That's that's called a goal. Okay. Our yeah. goal for you is to be able to have a podcast by June mm-hmm. the 15th. Yeah. So you got to hold me to that, right? And I got to hold you to being the best person out there. When your mentors come around, you tell me, yo, oh, this is my so-so-so-so, so-so-so-so. Show them some respect. <laughs> Make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, you can write that date down. And June the 15th, Doc said I would have my own podcast show by June the 15th. Bank mm-hmm. on it. Okay. Yeah. Now, Doc, <laughs> see, since I can't do what I did as a young thug, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so my thuggy has to come through this phone. See, that's how I do it. Because the challenge is, can I do what I say? You know, in the street, street cred is what? Do what you say and mean what you do. Is that a good quote? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm on national radio saying that you will be on your own podcast by June, by June the 15th. Make up a lot earlier, but that's my end date. All right. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to develop a pledge so we can have them All say right. that pledge and then they know that they committed themselves because if they're silent, they come back, ah, I didn't tell you that. I didn't say, you didn't hear me say anything. And we're going to do a couple things. One, they're going to do a story on you. Well, this is a good show, folks. It is going very, very fast. Yeah. Well, Karen, tell us what other things are happening over at MLK. 
Ooh, so we have a couple of things going on at MLK. Uh, we just had the Cub, Cub Scouts come last Wednesday, and they actually taught the kids to, uh, they built rockets, and they shot them off. That was really exciting. Oh, so, Leo should have known Yes, I, was, I actually wanted to um, talk to him about that and ask him if he knew Joe Spellman. Yes, so um, that's what we did. I know Joe. Joe, mm-hmm. yes, he told me he knows mm-hmm. you. Yes, very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's one of my mentors also. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, he, so they they are coming back probably in April. They're going to bring the horses back for the oh, for the, for okay. the kids. That's yes, fun. Yeah. that's going to be really awesome. Uh, we have the Park Heights Peace Fair coming up, where we will have uh, many resources there. Um, this Peace Fair is for the uh, transition for uh, the kids for that attend Martin Luther King. As a lot of you know, Martin Luther King School is closing. So a lot mm. of our students will be transitioning to Edgecombe and Pimlico. You know, I saw that, and I couldn't really quite understand it. Yes. Because they were sent out a survey for the name change. Yes. I, and yes. it seemed to me like that, to me, would be a no-brainer. Right. Because to put Martin Luther King... And I did have some other good suggestion, you know, Harriet Tubman, but right. I don't think that we should ever go away from what Dr. King did. Right. And so I would have said people could come up with some suggestion, but the name Martin Luther King would have to be a part of it. Right. I think so, what, I'm sorry, Dr. Butler, just because I, I know the idea, you're, I, I think I know what you're about to say, and so I'll just piggyback off mm-hmm. of what I think. Hope I'm not being presumptuous. No, but right. um, so the plan is if they don't want to rename Edgecombe Dr. Martin Luther King School because Edgecombe students have their identity also. So I believe... Well, where does the name Edgecombe come from? Um, that I don't know. See, that's the thing I'm looking at. I'm not so much looking at one taking out the other. Right. But I'm saying when you have a human giant... Right. And the other is maybe somebody said, well, we used to have a street name because I couldn't think that's of anything true. and hit black history. So right. to me... That's kind of a slap in the face, and even though later on they got some of these other ideas. Right, right. Just like uh, Thurgood Marshall. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's Thurgood Marshall BWI. Right. They right. didn't drop the BWI. Oh, so you mean so, Dr. Martin Luther King Edgecombe? Slash, yeah, Dr. Edgecombe. Martin Luther King think, slash, uh, and they had one one line said that. Right. But, I mean, it should that should be kind of a no-brainer. A no-brainer. I think what they're leaning towards, and I may be wrong, but I think what they're leaning towards is designating different parts of Edgecombe School um, with the civil rights leaders. So Dr. Martin Luther King, I'm just giving an example, gymnasium, Harriet Tubman cafeteria. And um, so I think they're leaning towards something like that. But see, that's a dilution. See, uh, that's why people got to really look into stuff. See, that Mm-hmm. Naming the rooms is okay, right. but they can name the room without losing the history. The history of, of they, Dr. King. They don't. T- I've never in my life heard them take George Washington and do anything else with him but call him George Washington. Right. I. I, I mean, I didn't think of it um, along those terms. So thank you for pointing that out to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm in agreement. I, the name that I personally liked was Park Heights Academy. I just feel as though the children, uh, the, the, the scholars in Park Heights, really just need something to look forward to and to help them with their identity. And I know a lot of a, a lot of young people, they associate academy with prestige. So I like Park. That's the name I voted for is Park Heights well, Academy. They could always, uh, they could always have, have uh, MLK, but I'm saying okay, that right. whenever, like when they tear out our communities apart, 
That's right. the first thing that they do. You're right. They take something that, you know, there's no argument. When you become famous, mm-hmm. if I put anything else, you know, take your name and yes. say, ah, well, okay, but but Buddy came up after you. He's younger, so let's drop his name. And you put in all the sacrifices. You had all the leadership going. That's it's right. not fair to you. And when I say they don't do it. Mm-hmm. And the airport, I want to have an example because you can't talk about something unless you can say compared to that. Right. Because it should have just been what? They're a good Marshall Airport. Yes. That's what it really should have been. You're right. So the fact that they want to keep Thurgood Marshall slash BWI, that's mm-hmm. sort of like a little poke at that person saying, well, you're not, you're not good enough to stand on your own. Wow. And you can still name all those rooms. Right. But keep it Dr. King. Yeah. At, even, if, right. even if they said Dr. King slash Edgecombe Edge Edge Academy. Right. That's good, too. That's what, you know, yes, that's, that's what, good as a consultant, too, I say, that would solve the problem for everybody. Well, I hope you come to our next meeting. I believe it's on March 5th, uh, where the district is coming back to, I think the next meeting will be at Edgecombe. And I hope you come back to mm-hmm. offer your wisdom, because that is a good idea. And mm-hmm. honestly, I didn't think of it in those terms, but I think so many times these things happen sub- subliminally yes, and do. we don't realize right. the what's being stolen from us. So thank you yeah. for being a patriarch and reminding us of what we need to hold on to. And we do. That's why we had this book uh, at the Main Street uh, thing that they have, because people don't know who our heroes are and especially yes. our young people. Yes. Once we get a hero and it's like people are afraid to say it. Yes. I know I was so excited when I lived in Kentucky, and I found out that I was living around the corner from Muhammad Ali. Wow. That, to me, had an impact. And then I found out where his barber was, and I, I was servicing the barber and his daughter with the company I was working with, but I had no idea that Ali was in the vicinity or in the picture. The minute when I found out that he was there because he was so... Uh, polite and humble and gracious, and he used to like the kid a lot. So he went to the barbershop because he could be himself. Wow. And he would always be in there and doing little tricks. Mm -hmm. And I saw him doing all those tricks, so I started looking up magic because Ali did it. I said, well, why? Grown man, he's up here and I'm down here, and he in there worked with me, showing me magic, levitation, and he was proud of that. And I'm saying that we have to be strong enough to point out to other people, don't diminish that person. Yes. Don't take them down. At the market, they're trying to do all this stuff, but they're going over stuff that had already been done. Oh, they're kind of trying to erase the things that have been done and then step forward. That's when people don't want you to get recognition mm-hmm. for the work that you did because it sets up a model that they have to work too. Wow. So... A lot of our people, we got a, a basic thing that we got to do as adults. That's good. Coming Dr. together, Bowen. presenting people, let them go online and read about those people that are connected to them. And then the young people, will you get more reaction, you get more work, because now you've helped them understand why this person is there. Yes. And we have to keep that in mind. I mean, I didn't think of, I've, I haven't, I've never thought of it, honestly, on that level. 
But thank you. And I'm definitely going to be more cognizant of that now when I'm, you know, sitting at these tables. Mm -hmm. I have to be more cognizant of that. So thank you. With the kids, you know, Afram, the only reason they would like to get rid of Afram and not tell people the full story behind Afram is because if they told the full story and the person is alive to verify that story, our kids go away from, yeah, okay, Afram is a thing. But if they know that Afram was a result of the young people Mm. saying to the older people, my question to them was, well, why are you associating yourself with the drugs and with the bad things that are happening? And they looked me in the eye. I had two good eyes at that time. (laughs) They looked me in the eye and said, because you guys don't do anything to make us want to look up to you. And they were absolutely right. We came in to trying to tell them stuff to do that we were not even doing. They said, well, the pimps got the best cars. You guys out there in hoopties. (laughs) The pimps got, they dressed nice. They got on the best clothes. They got the bling. And you guys look at you. Your shoes are worn down. And so how can we look at that? And that that had an impact on me. Yes. Because I had been that young person. So I said, well, what can I do? And I said, okay, what do y'all want to do? No, I said, how can we do help you? They said, well, every time we go downtown to the festivals, we never see a festival that's for us. We see the Irish festival, uh, Greek festival, What's it down? Italian festival, German festival, but we never see a festival that was us. And that's how the discussion came up to be. And I said, well, let do your own. It was the children and no politician can stand in this city to me in my face and say anything different because they have directors. And I was a consultant. And they came out of Model Cities Council E and the young people. It was their idea for that to come on. And it's lasted over 30 years with no problems. See, that's the problem. Young people came up with something that lasts longer than they did. Hmm. The politicians didn't come up with anything that lasts 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. So naturally, they're not going to give credit to the things that work to the, to the students. If they did, they know that they hold the answer to the solutions they're talking about. Very true. But they don't want to come out and confront that. Where some people, every time you get in their audience, they will bring it up so that their kids never forget. Right. Absolutely. Everybody knows what the Holocaust is. That's but right. But they don't know what reparations are or why they are due to our people. Anyway, so we're going to be a part of that. And folks, we got to wrap it up. We got to take another break. And uh, hopefully you have been listening to Faces Going Places, a 501c3. And you heard about the new paper, the National Black uh, Unity newspaper. You've heard from uh, Kern. You've heard from Reggie. You've heard from Jaheem. And I hope that you enjoyed this program. And we'll listen to you again. Same place, same time. Next week. Yep. Thank you all. Faces Going Places is a 501c3 that strives to promote youth empowerment through community, unity, and educational programming initiatives. We believe in the pursuit of championing the cause of our future leaders. Faces Going Places is committed 
to dramatically reshaping the most economically depressed communities across the country. Listen in to the Faces Going Places podcast, where new episodes will be released every Saturday on all your podcast platforms. This podcast is also brought to you by the WGE Podcast Center, your host for all your podcasting needs. Available on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes.